Welcome to Ask a Jew or a Secular Central Israeli Speaks Your Holy Religious Friend. I'm Yael here with Chayalea. Uh, I'm still in Israel. Uh, day who knows what of this <laughs> crazy war. Um, but we decided to bring in some some firepower because we knew we can't handle this ourselves. <laughs> but we're super, super excited and grateful to have uh, Colonel and Reserves Miri Eisen with us. Um, Colonel Eisen... Uh, spent 20 years uh, in the intelligence uh, community in the IDF and is now the new uh, incoming director for the uh, International Institute of Counterterrorism at Reichland University, where I um, did my undergrad, actually. I don't know if I told you that. Um, you did not. And <laughs> we, um, we wanted um, somebody to tell us what the hell is going on right now. <laughs> Um, so first of all, how are you? I know, you know, everybody in this country is shook and everybody's been, you know, feeling this personally. So how are you today? I am here. I am strong. I like to say that I have thick skin. I don't think anybody has thick, thick enough skin. Mm -hmm. um, but happily for me, perhaps I'm safe. My family is fairly safe. Everyone in my family is mobilized. And mm. my mobilization in this war is that I have been trying as much as I can to be with the media, in the media, um, to talk about the complexities. Okay, this is this is not whatever was in the past. This right. is something new, okay. um, not in a good way. Um, unprecedented, not in a good way. And so all of our talking about it is really challenging. So I feel strong, but it's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Have you, yeah. I've seen you on CNN and you've been on all over the U.S. media, correct? And international media this week. How has your reception been overall? One of the most, uh, the only, the, there's nothing good about what's going on in the last 12 days. But the only side that I can say that for me as somebody who's been talking in and on the international media for over 20 years, um, that this time, it's not a question of the sympathy, Sadly, the horrific horrors have brought about a different kind of framing, mm -hmm. so that when I'm talking on the air, and even to the ones that are very critical of Israel, um, there are words and terms and understanding that I've never heard before, um, and it's still going to be challenging, and the framing and narratives are constantly evolving, but this time I do feel that, yeah, it takes horrible, horrible things to happen. Um, for people to actually see things through our eyes. Mm -hmm. Can I ask a follow-up, like, philosophical question that has been gnawing at me? Should we start me? with saying what, what's going on here over the last 12 days <laughs> if people have been <laughs> just tuning in? We can. I mean, uh, I hope people know. Yeah. If they don't I, know, they should and get their Miri, heads out it's of It's okay if we arm. call you Miri, right? We have to explain to people if that in Israel... <laughs> I love it. You know, all of the Americans, they call me up and they're either ma'am or colonel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you must be American. <laughs> yeah. I remember once I had a friend who did, um, who was writing a TV show in America and he was writing a part for an Israeli minister. And he said, how would the minister's aide call her? And I said by her first name. And he was like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. So, so Mary, can you give us a, a, a brief, you know, summary of, of the day everything changed and where we are now? So we're kind of, we don't call things in Israel like you do in the States, 9-11 to be able to say 10-7. But yeah. October 7th, pretty much at 6.30 a.m. as an idea, 
the Hamas started the execution of a long-term pre-planned, all-out terror barbaric war. We're in the 12th day. What do I mean when I say that they did something like that? They did a multi-pronged um, attacking over 25 Israeli communities simultaneously and coming in, and this is an American audience, and I'm going to be rude and gross because it's a podcast. They came in with a game plan that included torturing, mutilating, dissecting, bisecting, um, decapitating, burning and mutilating, as I said, families, babies, Holocaust survivors in their homes, burning it down. There was a musical festival. They just butchered it. But it wasn't just the butchering. It was the torturing devices that they brought with them, the amount of weapons. All of this done at the same time, both some military bases, but overwhelmingly civilian communities. And taking into the Gaza Strip, at this stage, we're talking about more or less 200 hostages, which can include a nine-month baby an 85-year-old Holocaust survivor, um, babies taken from their parents, their parents shot. Um, just just the, the description is impossible because it's impossible. This is not yeah. something that can be compared to any event ever anywhere. We're in the 21st century. And and, and where is Israel? That, that, that was the, the chaos, the description that I'm describing um, from the terrorism point of view is the impact and effect that they want to achieve. They, mm -hmm. they burnt the bodies, mutilated and tortured them so that we wouldn't know how many hostages they have, so that we wouldn't know who's alive, who's dead. So the death count at this stage has surpassed 1,400 Israelis who were murdered, massacred on Saturday. There are still hundreds that are unaccounted for, meaning it's not like Hamas, the terror organization, has told us who's the hostages. Mm -hmm. And in this 12th day, we have been a re re conquering in its own way because they didn't conquer the territory they came in to massacre and then to go back in with the hostages mm -hmm. so we've been retaking the territory cleaning it out they they destroyed entire um villages and communities places you when may you have say visited. retaking you mean in israel like like this southern is israel all of cities. this attack all mm -hmm. of this attack is in southern israeli cities towns and villages um, both mainly villages in that sense, agricultural communities that are very close to the border. They're all inside Israel, but they went into cities. The city of Zderot is a city of 30,000 people. Yeah. 7 a.m., they went in. There was a bus that was on its way to take a, a group of elderly um, citizens on a day trip. It was a Saturday. They massacred everybody on the bus, and then they desecrated, mutilated, and burnt it so we wouldn't be able to identify them. And I give that as one example, as I said, at this stage, 1,400 murder. That touches every single person in the state of Israel. Of and within that also, there was a music festival. So there's a really large amount also of people in their 20s who were in the music festival. And, and the worst, is there the worst? Can I get even worse? Um, they videotaped it, videotaped how mm -hmm. old-fashioned it be. They had GoPros. Mm -hmm. yeah. they, they filmed themselves while they were doing it. They, they live streamed and on live streamed Facebook. it on Facebook. On the Facebook of the so, victims. Yes, on the victims. So mm -hmm. on this 12th day, what Israel has done is first we stabilized and we've been retaking and we've been killing the terrorists and we've been finding the bodies and we're still in the process of identifying the bodies and of, of now just starting to clear out these demolished communities. We have been attacking and attacking and attacking Hamas 
terror operatives. The Hamas in the Gaza Strip, that's where they came out of. When you attack, it's into the Gaza Strip, that's where they came out of. They are not outsiders. They are Palestinians of the Gaza Strip. They are Hamas terror operatives. There are over 2 million people there. Israel has been trying as hard as it can to target those who came in to massacre and butcher. Not only do they hide behind our hostages, and that's why they took them in, they hide behind their own 2 million people. That's right. So here we are. Um, Israel last week started to say day after day, get out of this neighborhood. We are demolishing the terror the terror capabilities. That's the cachet of weapons. That's the anti-tank missiles, the rockets, the mortars, the torture devices, the hand grenades, the the the, the just the, the list goes on and on, an enormous amount of weaponry. Um, all of this is built into Gaza City, the refugee camps around Gaza City in the south. So initially it was get out of the neighborhood and demolishing and finding the targets there. And last Wednesday, Israel said, get out of the northern Gaza Strip. And it's a small area. There's enough room. There's 2 million people. It isn't everybody having said that. Yes, it's absolutely something impossible and incredible. And we did that because we want to help the civilians not die. Mm-hmm. Hamas are using them as human shields. Hamas are using them and telling them stay. Hamas are using our hostages as, as absolute human shields. And they, mm-hmm. and they want the entire world to, they want to use in that sense and say, look, Israel is attacking the Gaza Strip. And it's not a question of the context of Saturday, Saturday and Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I'm already talking 12 days ago. It was the weekend before last. Um, this context is something where we will go in and we will not allow, like the rest of the world will not allow, a terrorist organization like ISIS to exist right next to us to attack us in the way that they did. We need to get there. And when I say destroy it, that doesn't mean you're going to demolish it, but we will get to as many as we can. We're still doing it now, mainly in air attacks and artillery. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to say in my own terms that like a ground operation is imminent, may or may not, um, because we need to both get to the hostages and we need to destroy their capabilities. And their capabilities are both the weapons, but they are also... The people, they're not people. The non-human beings who pre-planned this attack in a very detailed way as a game plan, giving very detailed instructions, the manual of how to do terror, these people will be targeted. And they are, and that's what we're trying to do now. How's that for a summary of 12 days? That's great. <laughs> I mean, it's horrible that you did That's a great horrible. job on that. I, I can't believe the words I'm hearing, even though nothing you're saying is new to me, but I, right. I still can't it's hard to fathom I know. what's happened here. I know. And Do it's you not have, over, and there's still more to come. Right. Do you have confidence right now? This is a very hard question, Do you, I, and it's a two-parter. Do you personally feel confident that the IDF kn- is in control and knows what they're doing, and B, does the people of Israel feel confident in the IDF right now? Absolutely, yes. Okay. Everybody has to distinguish between the terror war, the terror event, because I have to invent a new word for this, because nothing that we've said until now encompasses the event itself. There's a difference between the surprise and the absolute surprise which they wanted to achieve because they've been lulling us for years, okay? Mm-hmm. 
And between that, which happened on Saturday, and that pre-plan, which included creating more havoc and chaos, to the very systematic way that the IDF has taken care and, and is now clearing that out, the IDF was, in its own sense, as I say, understood what was going on Saturday on. Yes, it takes time. That was part of their plan in that sense. But I'm already talking we're in the 12th day from the the end of the first day. It was already much clearer by the end of the second day that when I say we were in control and we were stabilizing, there still may be some terror cells that the operatives caved in 12 days ago and came in Mm -hmm. on purpose to be the sleeper cell so that they could still attack after 12 days. But that's the individual one. That is Mm -hmm. not the same as the all out that happened a week ago Saturday. The IDF is in control. I have not just belief in the IDF. I'm going to say a horrible thing, okay? A scenario like this one is something that we've understood for many years as a possibility from the north. Mm-hmm. And when you build the scenario by Hezbollah from Lebanon, when you build the scenario, you sit and build it and say they're going to attack 25 communities. And then you, you give the scenario. And then it happened in the South. So in that scenario, we always know it takes several days until you clear out, retake, stabilize. That doesn't mean you're not in control. This is in chaos. But when I say it is in chaos, it was because of the diversity of what they did there as a terror all-out multi-pronged attack. Um, That was part of the challenge. We are in control. The people of Israel, you know, Haile and Yel's here. I'm amazed by the people of Israel yeah. Yeah, because we are insane. crying. Okay. We are crying and we're functional yeah. and civil society in this country is the most amazing thing there is in the world. Yeah. And, and I say civil society and the IDF yeah. and, and, and we're functioning and we're doing, and we're there and we're going to funerals and we are putting together packages for the soldiers and we are understanding what needs to be done. And we're going to help clean up all of those communities and if they want, they move back. But I need to put things into perspective. Today. Today's Tuesday. Kibbutz Nir Oz has 400 members. And today they had funerals for 100 members of the kibbutz. It's unimaginable. It's unimaginable. It's no, just it's unbelievable. It's, it's, and I, I most think... of the members of the kibbutz didn't go to the funerals. Because they're all totally traumatized, of course, mm-hmm. and injured probably. And I, um, I remember when you know, I mentioned this on our previous show, but when um, on Saturday, when the death toll last week had hit a hundred, you know, the, the country was just floored. We're, we don't know these numbers. Uh, I mean, a hundred people, and since then, fourteen hundred. It, 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 you know, it's, it touches it's almost every like, person here. Yeah, but you're right about the strength of civil society and, you know, just walking around and seeing everybody coming together and everybody doing what they can. You know, if it's the guy at the supermarket giving you an extra something or the people going and cooking and every bakery and coffee shop here in Tel Aviv has been turned into like, you know, a place to give uh, soldiers food. And it's it's just even like little things like, you know, the, the cable companies opening up all the content for free for the kids. Um, it really is something in Israel that I, I, I feel bad for nations who don't have that. (laughs) It comes out of like a terrible necessity. 
Um, and it's not because we love each other, right? It's not because we're all like in love with each other and get along, but it's just because you know that it's like a family. You don't have to get along, but you know that you rely on each other. Um, I want to ask you, you mentioned, you know, it, it's Tuesday today. By the time we get this out, I mean, Biden will, will be here and who knows what's going to happen. But what, what a lot of Israelis are asking right now is what's, what's the holdup? Um, why is it taking so long to do the ground operation? If that's the plan. So, okay. So when we talk about things like that, we all think that, you know, it's like uh, abracadabra and the genie comes out and things start. Mm-hmm. When you go into a ground operation, into a densely packed urban area, one, you tell the people to leave. And some left mm-hmm. and some didn't. And then you tell them again. And Hamas tells them to go back. And Hamas mm-hmm. doesn't let them leave. And then you get the entire international community saying that we're not okay and telling them to leave because what are we supposed to do, right? Okay, I'm just mm-hmm. giving all of those things. So that's going to be part of it. When you're going in, it's the combination of urban area, which will still have civilians in it, which are going to have lots of terror operatives in it, which is going to have every type of, if they have any more, you know, uh, tricks up their sleeve in a very bad terminology, they're going to want to mm-hmm. surprise us and terrorize us even more. That's booby traps and explosives right. and suicide drones and all sorts of things that they have. So you see, you think about it, you practice. We have our own, as I said, our IDF is very strong, but you train, you mm-hmm. think about it, and you breathe in deep. It's going to be, as I said, the, the worst in its own way is kind of in front of us because we, it's, it's you need to do that to be able to get to the hostages. And how can you do that? You are going to take a lot of casualties. There is no easy way around. Hand in hand with that, you have the Northern Front that we haven't mentioned until now. Mm-hmm. And Hezbollah in Lebanon. These are two hybrid terror organizations for those who want to go look that up afterwards. It's an academic word that suddenly ceases to become academic Mm. um, because they're they're terrorist organizations that are founded as terrorist organizations that have enormous terror capabilities, and they also are active on the civil front. So -hmm. that in a ludicrous way, people think that they're okay because they do charity. Like they're a terrorist organization. It's the Dawah and it's the Shuwa. Yeah, the Dawah is the charity. And so Hamas is such a one, Hezbollah is such a one, the Islamic State was such a one, you know, because Al-Qaeda is not like that, okay? Al-Qaeda doesn't do that. Yay, they're only terror. Does that make you all feel better? (laughs) Um, And also Hezbollah, uh, when, when I was at ICT, you know, and that was many, many years ago, Hezbollah was already considered like the, the Navy SEALs of, of global terrorism. And um, as I said, the IDF was preparing itself for years for mm-hmm. this type of a scenario coming out of Lebanon with Hezbollah into Israel. And the day before yesterday and mm-hmm. yesterday, Israel evacuated 22 communities on the Israeli-Lebanese border. Again, this is inside Israel. Right. Mm-hmm. Those are 22 communities in addition to the communities that were destroyed down south, and to cities that all of the people have left, not just as Deirot or Ofakim or Netivot, because they're so nearby and they're constantly being mortared and, and rocketed. But the city of Ashkelon is a city of 120,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I would say that at least half the city has gone north because they keep getting bombarded. Wow. And it's also about, uh, it's a military term, the Zmanu Merchav, the distance and the, um, God, I'm Space. blanking on the military term. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in, in Ashkelon, it's 20 to 25 seconds to the rocket, when, right. the rocket mm-hmm. when you get the early warning. And when you get to Tel Aviv, yeah, you and I get the 90 seconds. Yeah, Believe we got a you lot make, of time. Makes a really big difference. Okay, 20 seconds yeah. is one thing, 25 seconds is one thing, 90 seconds is something else. Everything's relative in this world of war. Because yeah. simultaneously with the whole attack I described before, I, if I didn't mention we're edging into 6,500 rockets fired over the last 12 days. And Hezbollah has 10 times the amount of rockets that Hamas has. Oh, my God. 10 times the amount. They had an open line of supply from Iran, Iran via Iraq, via Syria, to Hezbollah, both in Syria and in Lebanon. So that this whole element where you ask why we haven't started the ground operation because mm-hmm. A, you prepare, and B, you let the civ- civilians get out, and you want to try, um, and the hostages are part of the complication, and you have Hezbollah to the north. So these are different balances mm-hmm. that you try to adjust and uh, stay strong with everything that you do, because um, there's a possibility that the worst is still in front of us. Yeah, that's, oh that's the God. sense. It feels here that we're not even, we haven't even started. Um, what do you think Hamas's as end game was when when they did this? And do you think they they thought it would be so successful, quote unquote? Mohammed Diff, who is the Hamas terror commander, who most mm-hmm. likely was the one who put together this plan, gave a speech to send out his terror warriors on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And in his speech, he said what their aims are, yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, go free Jerusalem and mm-hmm. kill everyone you see. I think that was clear enough. Mm. But I mean, are they thinking strategically about this? Or do they think that they will eventually kill everybody here? I, I want to say that until October 7th in the morning, mm-hmm. I would have answered, no, they're rational. Mm-hmm. I'm after October 7th. I've now joined the others, as I say, within my realm of people who look at terrorism, counterterrorism. I, too, in that sense, was one of the ones who thought that perhaps Hamas was not the murderous terror organization, and maybe it was changing, and Mm -hmm. I was wrong. And I say that because everything that you look at what they've said in the last 12 days, and then you go back in the last two years, and people can go, for those who want to expand their knowledge on Terrorists of the Gaza Strip can look up Muhammad Def as one and what he said on Saturday. Mm-hmm. We could go, or Yichia Sinwar, who is known as the Butcher of Hanunis, who mm-hmm. has been the prime minister leader of Hamas in the Gaza Strip for the last five years. Ismail Hania, his predecessor, who sits in Lebanon and is trying to tell the world that A, they only attack soldiers. Mm-hmm. B, which is, which makes really it take, totally fine. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and of course, I mean, all of them, as they say, I mean, I, you know what? The, the terrorists I can handle. Mm-hmm. If I'm allowed to right now diss on your podcast, whom I'm really, Please. when I say, I mean, it's not even, can I, I'm not disappointed in anything anymore. I don't know what to say. But Queen Raina of Jordan yeah. has mm-hmm. enormous following in the world. She has millions of followers yeah. on her tweets and on her um, on her on her Instagram page, okay, and she today said that the inhuman acts, meaning she's acknowledging that those acts are inhuman, 
were the result of the occupation. Wow. And I just want to say, Queen Raina, I really hope that you wake up tomorrow morning still alive yeah. when those inhuman acts are done anywhere. Yeah. But then again, she's not Jewish or Israeli, and it was about killing Jews and Israelis. I would ask her why they didn't give and the Palestinians a state. Why didn't the Jordanians give the Palestinians a state when they had control over the West Bank? We should ask her that. Let her explain herself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of questions to ask. Like one of the questions I want to ask is for every person who says, you know, free Palestine and this and that is, or end the blockade is, what, what would you like us to do that hasn't been done yet? Yeah. <laughs> Not exist. Okay. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah. Even that's been done before 1947. It's not like there weren't any terror attacks here. And it, when you're so. asking in that sense of like what we're going to be doing, or are you asking that as a rhetorical question? Oh, as a, as a rhetorical question, I, I feel, you know, we, we're kind of bouncing around here, but Hila and I talk a lot about, we, we, we joke that we are, you know, we, we always make fun of a lot of the, the, the Jewish organizations and the you know, the, the self-hating Jews, or I don't even know what to call them at this point. Um, but I, I feel like their their arguments are so easy to poke holes in because they've become so ridiculous because everything they're de- demanding, quote unquote, the free Gaza, the end the occupation, the end the, end the blockade are all things that have been done technically. Um, and well, just have the worked. biggest challenge, <laughs> I'm going to agree. I think that one of our own challenges in that sense is that because this event on October 7th was so unprecedented and is so incomprehensible, but because it happened from the Gaza Strip against Israel, all of the frame is in the framing of Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And here I am saying, I am a scholar of this conflict. I have in my entire life supported a two-state resolution. My entire life I have tried to better that. And on Saturday morning, I woke up and said, okay, Hamas, this isn't all the Palestinians, Hamas, you can call them out as a murderous terror organization. And if you support Hamas, not the Palestinian people, go out and say, help Palestinian people. But this issue of um, helping the Palestinian people, I feel right now that the Israeli Defense Forces are trying their hardest to help the Palestinian people and to help the civilians in the Gaza Strip. Hamas built this plan over the last few years. Um, they also could have built shelters for their people for the response. Right. What did they think was mm-hmm. going to happen? That's right. And instead, they're, you, no, they built on the fact that their people are the human shields, and so they are protected. So we told their people to move. So they're telling their people to stay. Um, yeah, and, it's and, and it's ugly and hard. This is why I keep saying to my students and to everyone who will listen, I am so thankful to be a Jew this week. And I know it's hard and we are crying and we are mourning and we are sitting Shiva across the world. Every Jew is in pain, but I have never in my life been more thankful to be a Jew because I would much rather be on the side of the people who will do every single thing in their power to protect me, to protect my children and my family, rather than to be a part of a people who do not give a shit about human life. And I, I can't, I just, I can't, this feeling inside of me is burning. Like it's burning my gratitude to be a Jew right now. It's, I I really mean it. Hi, Alea. You know that you're a very exceptional Jew. You have wonderful language. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Her parents are very proud. 
Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> no, but it, but uh, but you know, because it's so easy. I mean, look, we're we're far away, and we're in a you know a different situation here, and nothing compared to what's going on in Israel. And it's hard as an American Jew to understand, you know, to really. I mean, look, I have a lot of family there. I was I spend a lot of time in Israel. Is what I do professionally. Like, but I see a burning in the Jews around me even the ones who don't understand the conflict, even the ones who have been on the other side of this issue, everybody woke up on Saturday and it's a new day for every yeah. Jew around the world. It really is. I feel is. like it's a wake-up call. And I, it was. Miri, I don't know what, you, what you've heard, but I feel like I've heard tangentially from, you know, or seen a lot of things from a lot of people who didn't care about Israel or were even kind of, you know, anti-Zionist or, or post-Zionist or whatever who were like, excuse my language, like, what the fuck? Like, what just happened? And But not just what just happened, but then looking around to their cohort, especially of progressives, yeah. and seeing the response or lack thereof, um, and just waking up to a whole new reality. One of the things that I've been seeing over the last... I, we think about this endlessly, even though all of us are going to be... I mean, we're all in trauma. Yeah. We're all going to be traumatized for life. Having said that, every once in a while, my mind still thinks. So... Today I was thinking, well, Yael, do you remember both of you that Haile and Yael, this is our 75th anniversary. I know. I know. <laughs> and, We're and, and I want to say, Haile, to what you just said, to me, this is our rebirth. Yeah. Meaning really for 75 years, we've been here and we're still here and we have enormous challenges and, and we have agreements with countries there are it's not everybody around us again i'm, I'm saying that very clearly yeah but yeah. in this 75th year um is this our our new war of independence of understanding who we are what it means why there is a jewish state and i more like yael am the secular jew okay and I love my country, and I am very involved in my country. And I, oh my God, by the way, Yael, I didn't tell you, but my daughter's name is Yael. So you know, I love the name as is, right? Okay. Um, and, and so, so that in its own way, that perhaps part of our strength is that because we were so, you know, thinking of our own future here together, it was also to get the rudest, harshest, barbaric wake up call of why we were established in the first place. Yeah, And I'm proud to be part of this country and our resilience. And I'm mm -hmm. very, 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 you know, I'm putting away the whole aspect of the failure that happened on October 7th, yeah. because on October 7th in the evening, okay, it's called put the failure aside. We'll discuss that afterwards. Right mm -hmm. now, we're going to build this together and it's going to be a whole new thing. Who and we the stories are, of heroism. Yeah. The stories of heroism are just mind-blowing. I mean, I, I can't even keep track of how many people I've heard of that jumped on grenades, uh, that covered their friends, the 19, 20-year-old girls running into fire, yeah. hiding their soldiers and running into fire. And especially when you compare that to some of the 19, 20-year-olds on college campuses in America that I don't know why. Maybe it's because I can't deal with like the trauma of what's going on here, but I'm kind of directing most of my angst outwards <laughs> at this point. And Chayla, I know you you agree too with like how upsetting it is to see. And, and again, not everybody. I do think there's a lot of uh, people in kind of the progressive movement who are who are sympathetic, but just um, how deep the rot is when it comes to hating hating Israel. <sighs> Hating Israel and, and using that frame. And 
I'm trying, it's one of the things that I'm trying to do right now because we do need to think about it and we need to talk about it. My talking about it with you, you know, is something that, that, that makes us stronger, not weaker. We have mm-hmm. to bring it out and talk about it. But it's the lack of the, the words to describe in, in Hebrew. You know, the thing that we say in Israel every single day now is, it's like, we have no words. And that's speechless. But it's not just the speechless. It's also Mm -hmm. that we actually don't have words to be able to describe it. And only today have I started to think, okay, I'm I'm describing this in 1948, War of Independence terms. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I never thought I'd be there in my 75th anniversary, you know, at a time period where on paper, I was looking around and going, wow, after 75 years, there's more in the Middle East that accepts me than at any other stage. Yeah, and then you true. go, and there's still the hardcore, hardcore, horrific type of terrorism that did the kind of act that happened. But it's not just the act, okay? It's way beyond just the act. So I'm hoping that that's something that we'll, you know, be able to take okay. with us. It reminds me just quickly from the Torah, you know, when Aaron, the high priest, he, he he had four sons and two of them were killed doing something they were not supposed to be doing. And the Torah says, and it says, and Aaron was silent, right? That's the word it says. And the rabbis asked, what do you mean Aaron was silent? His two sons. And the and the explanation is the Medrash says he was in so much pain. He didn't know, there were no words for to describe the pain that he was feeling at that moment. And that's exactly what you're saying right now. There just aren't words really to express. We're all walking around trying to like find the sentence that's going to like capture how we feel about what happened. And it's quite frankly impossible at this moment to like really capture the, the trauma, pain and sadness and anger you know, that we're all carrying with us right now. It really, it's, it's, there are no words, honestly, to describe it. And we're going to have to have them because we need yeah, the words themselves we and we need them for ourselves. Yeah. And slowly we'll find them. But in the meantime, I mean, really, in that sense, Hila, what you said before, and that at the end, we're Jews. Yeah. And part of who we are as Jews, I mean, the two of you can see behind me a lot of the books, right? Okay. Yeah. But that when you talk about who you are as a Jew and what it is, and it's so diverse, that perhaps the depth of what happened in the resilience of the state of Israel is that every single type of Jew and non-Jew mm-hmm. in the state of Israel was attacked last mm-hmm. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 1,400 funerals, every single person, we all know somebody, yeah. and it's from north to south, and it's religious and non-religious, yeah. and it's Jew and non-Jew. And it was citizens from all over the world that are hostages and killed. Right. And 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 I don't need it per se, but it does give me more strength knowing that there is a parade of world leaders who are coming here on our seventy mm-hmm. fifth anniversary and saying, well, "You we you exist and you deserve to exist and you deserve to not be butchered." Yeah. And and that makes a difference for us. It really is important. No, it's true. Um, I want to yeah, go back I, to we talk, one second, really quick on this point, Elle. We, t- yeah, Elle and I both are grandchildren of Holocaust survivors, and it's a big theme in our show, and we laugh about it. I mean, I, it's hard to say that now, but like you know, it's part of our identity, kind of as Jews coming from the Hasidic world. I, you know, this was a big part of my identity, and Yale, you know, her grandparents are Holocaust mm-hmm. survivors, and I just, I have never thought so much about the idea of what it took our people to get up after 1945. 
and to rebuild lives. And never, I mean, I've known it. I taught it for 12 years in high school. I, I taught Holocaust history. I've said words, right? But I've never really dug into my thoughts and feelings about what it meant to stand up when everything you knew was gone, everything taken, your family taken, the torture they lived with, and they started new lives. My grandparents literally rebuilt an entire world. And I just, I'm thinking about it so much this week because that's what we are going to have to do again. Mm -hmm. We really are. Wow. I heard an uncle of um, one of the horrific stories, so many, but um, one of them was, uh, I think, a 17 or 18 year old kid who um, terrorists took him hostage with his two sisters and his mother. And um, they took this kid from door to door in the kibbutz in uh, New Oz and made him tell people to come out uh, in Hebrew so they could shoot him, shoot them. And then shot him and his mother and kidnapped his sisters. But the family member, um, when he was describing this, he said almost in disbelief, he said, he said, and this is a kid from 2023, not from 1943. Yeah. It's just shocking. But I want to go back. I want to go back to Hamas because I know this is, you know, you're, you're a, expert in, in intelligence and counterterrorism have all this experience. What, for lack of better term, or letter to word, why is Hamas still cool? Like, why are people in 2023 still signing up for this murderous ideology? Um, so and where, Ellen, where does it start? Okay. Mm-hmm. So now, Yael and Hialeah, I'm going to recruit you to... I mean, usually I only, I'm, I'm going to put it in the terms that they put it because mm-hmm. it's vastly different from what we hear. And they don't recruit in people by going, hi, do you like to murder and torture? Are you sadists? Come and join our terror They don't stand at the subway and hand you a, a pamphlet. It, that's, not, that's not the pamphlet. Mm-hmm. They, they do stop you with a pamphlet, but it's overwhelmingly aimed at a younger generation and mm-hmm. half of the Gaza Strip is under the age of 18. And that means literally half of it, more than half is under the age of 25. Mm-hmm. But it's overwhelmingly looking at people and saying, do you feel disconnected? Yeah. Do you feel like you don't have a future? <laughs> do you want to belong to something that's bigger than you? Do you want to belong to something that's going to take care of you and your family? And it's going to look after you. It's going to give you meaning. Do you want to belong to something? that has a long history and a magnificent future, and you'll be able to go to heaven. I mean, again, that's the recruiting. Mm-hmm. And this is not just for Hamas and the Islamic yeah. State and Al-Qaeda. Um, it's at the basis of how terror organizations present themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamas is not called, hi, I am a terror organization <laughs> that brutally brutalizes people. They call themselves the resistance. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't you want to be part of the resistance? Yeah. Don't you want to be part of the side that resists? Not only that, but certainly Especially if I see specific- how Hamas members are treated as heroes on TV and on, you know, in school. And because one and, thing that we hear a lot in the US is, you know, what, what choice do they have? They, um, so first of all, that's, that's at the beginning. That's always that mm-hmm. part. There are mm-hmm. always choices. And the choices do not have to be terror organizations mm-hmm. and other even national um, type um, movements in the world, Gandhi and others, 
have not gone down the violence path. Mm-hmm. Terrorism is defined as that use, horrific use, of violence against civilians to achieve political aims. There are lots mm-hmm. of other paths. Stop telling me that that's the only path that they can choose. Mm-hmm. Right. And 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 that it's our fault that we make them do that in that sense. They didn't yeah. come and saying we case, want. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, they didn't come in uh, saying mm-hmm. um, we want to, um, you know, build a democracy again. Into mm-hmm. this, I think that one of the bigger gaps also is that we're looking at it through, and it's very pater- um, patronizing the way that we look at it. Okay, because we mm-hmm. look at overwhelmingly all of the Muslim world through very patronizing um, Judeo-Christian Western eyes. It's very Mm -hmm. patronizing. The most progressive people are the most patronizing of all, by the way, that there's this trajectory that you have to be on, that everybody knows that at the top of that trajectory is real morality, and that real morality is the Judeo-Christian morality. Islam is a very moral religion. And just Mm -hmm. like Christians killed more people in the world to date Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. killed more Christians to date than anybody else in horrific ways, including World War II. Um, Then, then, you know, and and so, and we don't want to do this about the religion. When you're talking about, you know, deviant ways of looking at a religion um, Mm -hmm. and and the way that that's brought out in these terror organizations, um, as I said, it sounds very different for their own ears. And, and that's the challenge that we're up against because you can't tell them that they're wrong. They yeah. live in a completely different realm. That's why they're still perceived as cool. That's true. Too bad Hamas mm-hmm. doesn't just put tefillin on people and hand out Shabbos candles. <laughs> like, put out it would be nice to yeah. give meaning to that. Yeah. Like, um, the, in this I'm case, the resistance, <laughs> the resistance that, you know, the thing that they are fighting for, you know, the, the resistance is not the, what, you know, the occupation or is not the, uh, you know, uh, having a foundation of a Palestinian state. The, the resistance is very clear and it's spelled out in their charter. It's Palestine from the river to the sea. So it, it is where I live. Not right just now, that. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah, it's not oh, right. just that's, that. That's phase one, right? No, no. It's the destruction <laughs> of the Zionist entity. Mm-hmm. And add into it again within that framing of what's happened over the last... I would say it's been growing, but it's much stronger over the last two decades. And that's part of the framing of what's happening today, especially on campuses. And it's a really Mm -hmm. challenging one that looks at me and the two of you as Western colonial whatever. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, (laughs) I have a whole thing to talk about that. But within that, it's like this is the the uprising against the colonial usurpers. And then I go, you know, Aaron, Kevir Aaron, right? Okay, Aaron, Aaron's mm-hmm. tomb is actually in the land that I'm in right now, mm-hmm. amongst others. You know, let's go find out all, like mm-hmm. my daughter Yael and Yael, and we can go to the yeah, places David. where Yael, yeah. the heroine from the Bible, mm-hmm. was, and 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 just that that whole where where it's like, really, as a Jew, I have nothing to do with here. So we we have a lot up that we have to contend with. We should do a land acknowledgement challenge. Yeah. <laughs> They love land acknowledgments, except when it comes to Jews. That's the only yeah. problem. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, on campus, you know, it's 
we've been fighting a, a, a different sort of battle, and it's this week was definitely a, a a new a new day when they start posting flyers with paragliders. You know, a day after, a day after, yeah. one day. But part after of me, the murder you, of of almost three hundred people at a part music of me festival, is happy that they're showing their true face. Part of me is happy that it's kind of out in the open. I don't but know. But you know what? I'll tell you. No, it's true. I agree. But I'll tell you something. The rot is so deep on campus. It's so deep, and I don't know. I, I'm I'm sorry. Maybe next week I'll have a better answer, or maybe next month. But right now, I'm feeling very very down about it, and I yeah. just. I have to say really quickly one thing. I'm and I, I want to just say this as much as possible. The Jewish students on campus who are showing up and speaking at student government and making vigils and walking around with their yarmulkes and wearing Israeli flags and participating oh, wow. in events. Did you just uh, do you hear that? I hear it. I heard something. Out? The did you hear the planes? Yeah, but I'm hearing. Okay, just a sec. That's okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, no, there's, no, I can't. Um, okay, not a siren. I just right heard a very, um, very loud plane, and I think it's heading your way because you're a little north of me. No, so usually when I hear that, there's one of these iron domes nearby that when it goes mm. over my house, it sounds like a low flying plane. Yeah, yeah, um, that's what it sounded like. That's usually that's just it's, it depends where the iron dome is going, and I hear that, and I'm like, okay, interception. Yeah. Now fine. they have this new thing where I live by the water. Oh, here I hear it again. Um, and it's, um, and when it lands in the water, they don't do the siren, and, but it's still really, really loud. <laughs> so when the rocket lands in the water, it's loud. Yeah. 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 Although it's somebody said, scary, yeah. it makes something that all the greater Tel Aviv area here, it must be, you know, it's that whole thing that I don't understand because it's science <laughs> of mm-hmm. the earth and the sea yeah. and the sound. Yeah. Oh my God. Somebody <laughs> on Facebook, there was this viral Facebook post. Somebody said, if it lands in the water, shouldn't it do, instead of a boom, shouldn't it be more of like a bloop? <laughs> but it doesn't sound like a bloop. It definitely oh sounds gosh. like a boom. Do the rockets yeah. last for like a particular amount of time every night or is it just a no, steady stream? Who, no, no, it's it's not steady. It's sporadic. Right. It was yeah. much stronger in that sense in the first few days to down south. But it's, it's constant. It's always there, you know, just... Added into everything else, so the citizens of the state of Israel, because it's not like people are working and it isn't right. really school. Everything's on Zoom, and so a lot of the most of the stores and things like that, you know, people aren't going to go buy clothes right now right. Um, or whatever. Um, very few of like coffee shops and stuff like that aren't open. They don't have safe rooms. So add into everything else, and you're constantly like at a certain tension level. Well, there won't be a siren. Yeah, right. and 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 that's part of the terror campaign. They want to keep us at home. I mean. We have to keep going out and doing things. Yeah. It's like this balance that you want to do things, but it's really hard to do things. So yeah, um, you have to yeah. like calculate so, your route home based on the, where the, they're sheltered yeah. and, and, and where um, you're going to stop with their car and, and where you're going to get off. So it goes on distances. They're very beautiful maps that come out between the 15 second, the 25 second, the 40 second. And as it gets further away, because at the end, the rocket has to fly. And it takes yeah. its own time. So in the greater Tel Aviv right. area, it's 90 seconds, meaning, but that's from the beginning of the siren. The siren itself takes time. Yeah. So that, you know, the siren ends and then you usually hear the interception and, and yeah, that's the challenge. 
Really, everybody likes to speculate here. Now this is, you know, we have 24 hour news cycle in Israel and three or four channels. Um, what is your, what is your best and worst case scenario? So that's one of the reasons that I won't go to any of the Israeli channels. And I've been saying this also on the international ones. Don't worry. Nobody listens to this. It's fine. Exactly. No. <laughs> I am so, it's like, I abhor all these experts that have these, yeah. they know what's going to happen. It's going to be this and it's going to be that. You know what? I have no idea where this is going. Mm-hmm. This is unprecedented. I do not know where it's going. I don't know what I mean is the best. What's the best scenario? There is no, this is a horrible war. There is no best scenario. The worst thing already happened at the beginning. And I said before, worse can still come. Hezbollah can join in. That doesn't mean more of the butchering. That that one, they won't catch us by surprise. But it it does mean that there will be a lot of casualties at Israel, both military and civilian. Hezbollah Mm -hmm. has 150,000 rockets. Hamas have only fired 6,500 in the last 12 days. Okay. It's like, and so, so I don't know how to address it. I think that Mm -hmm. for me, the most important part is that it's not just the resilience is a word. We're here and we're active and we are functioning and we're doing the right thing. And that's where I want us to go. And Mm -hmm. we'll figure it out as we go along what that means. But I'm not going to be more exact than that. Wow. Mm No, that's a great, actually, that's a great answer. And it's not to make light of it, but, you know, every American community has Israelis who live within the community and every single Israeli is an expert on exactly what's going on. And they could tell you yeah. <laughs> from, the, from the military response to the civilian response to exactly, I mean, it's, it's just it's unbelievable. Israelis seen, know everything. I've sat <laughs> in the studios and I sit in between them. I'm also a colonel and I have a colonel right. on my right and a colonel on my left. And they each tell us that it's this and they have these firm voices. And I'm like, really? <laughs> just I, I just and well, where were I, they my, twelve days ago, right? Yeah, well, that's they bring everybody out. We're very few women who go and do this, and I mm. hate going to the Israeli channels. So mm-hmm. I'm constantly under pressure to go and sit there. And I'm like, no, it's like I need to be able. You want to traumatize my trauma right now <laughs> by going into these studios. So you gotta and just add into it that in the Israeli War Cabinet, guess what? There are none of women. Mm. Women. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's crazy. crazy. At what least happens- there are people with military experience because that's, um, that's true. What happens- something that we didn't have. Mary, what happens to Bibi now? Do you have any sense of... Or would you rather talk yeah. about Hezbollah? <laughs> Let's talk about Hezbollah, Iran, anything you want. Not the domestic Israeli front. That's, you know, I'm willing to speculate. If we go back to the last question, I'm willing to give scenarios for the end of this horrible war (laughs) more than I am of the future of BB. Okay. Wow. That's my answer. But you don't think he's resigning this week, do you? No. Okay. I don't think he's going to resign ever. Oh, wow. I I think think he thought. People who live in La La Land. Right. And. And I I don't want it in the bad way. I don't think that right now he's not functioning and I think he's functioning. And yes, he has all sorts of capabilities. But when it comes to self, what's the word I'm looking for? Preservation, self-preservation. Oh, I was going to talk about responsibility, you know, taking responsibility, you know, (laughs) uh, looking in the mirror kind of thing. Yes. He's not going to, he's going to say, it's my fault. And that's why I have to stay and fix it. Right. Right? Mm. But I don't, I don't, he, if he hasn't said, anything. And we're on the 12th day until now. 
And only yeah. some of the ministers, none of the ministers have said anything until now. It's like, oh, why those security people just took us by the nose. Whoops, there went my earphone just a second. <laughs> it's fine. It There's a war. It's fine. Everything's fine. Can you still hear me? Yeah, we yes. hear you. Okay. I knew that that was going to happen. Okay, I'm actually coming to the end of the time that I can yes, sit with you. Yes, yes. Okay. I know, I know. <laughs> Even though I, I feel do like this we whole can, day, we'll, we'll meet know. again next week. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, we really appreciate your time. We have so many other questions. I, I wanted to get in one last very quickly because I think you can maybe articulate this in a way that could help me and many of our listeners. Is there a reason for us to care about the response from the media, the Western, you know, journalists, people who are against Israel. Because part of me sometimes thinks like, why do we care? Why do we spend so much time worrying about it? Is there a purpose for us? Does Israel need, does Israel need these people on their side? One of my challenges in the media world is that the responsible media outlets, I'm not talking about the totally agenda-based ones, but the responsible right. ones that we all appreciate, that we go and listen to, that we want to hear about. The terminology is that they need to be balanced. But yeah. balanced doesn't mean no morality. Right. This isn't about equal time. Yeah. Uh, really? You want to give all of the Hamas leaders now um, a platform? <laughs> that That's giving terrorism a platform. I'm not talking about Palestinians. I'm talking about the Hamas leaders. Um, you want to hear their side of it? Are you kidding me? Um, I, 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 I'm very challenged by that. So right. I want us to be very aware of that. This isn't about only show the Israeli narrative. It isn't. You want to go and talk right now about the poor Gazan 10-year-old kid? I understand that, okay? Mm. I was on a show the other day where they had just been talking to a cute English-speaking Gazan kid who's trying to get out now near Rafah, and I, my heart went out for him, okay? Right. That's one of the 2.2 million, and my heart can be there. Having said that, put things, it's not just balance, it's also putting things into a frame. Mm -hmm. And right mm -hmm. now, the framing is still Israel against Hamas, but in parentheses, against the Palestinians. We're not against the Palestinians. Get out of the frame. Right. Change. Right. Look at what it is. Allow mm -hmm. yourselves to call a terrorist a terrorist. It walks like a terrorist. It attacks and tortures <laughs> exactly. like a terrorist. It is a terrorist. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, and it's not just Israel's problem. It is right now. Oh, but, absolutely. Absolutely. No. That's right. Well, I, I don't have enough words to say how much we appreciate you coming on and just my respect for everything you're doing. And I didn't say it while we were recording, but Miri speaks to many, many college students and I've had groups come in here from you and you've mm -hmm. influenced lots of minds and hearts over the years in a way that was really helpful in framing the story of Israel. And so I, I don't know how you have the strength to do it and your family should be safe and you should be safe and our whole the whole Israel should be safe and you know, Yael should go back mm -hmm. to New York so she could. No, no, no. But no we I'm need joking. to talk to a Jew in Israel right now. I want to yeah, thank you no, for hosting me uh, your lovely, lovely podcast. Thank uh, you so Jew, much for doing this. Jew, all sorts of Jews. That's Hopefully right. we'll have you back for, um, you know, Holocaust jokes and the other things that we're more known for. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I have a few that you probably haven't heard before, okay? Oh, I've invented That's a few, let me tell you, okay? So we'll definitely have That's you back. That's for a different one. That's right. That's Thank right. You. Thank you so Thank much. You, Be Barry. safe. Thank you.